Hello, my name is Patricia Casey and thank you for joining me for You Can Cook Too. For the last year, I've been going through recipes. So at this point, we have built up a, a, a coterie of starters, main courses and desserts and a little baking as well that should see you through for quite a while. I'm now going to change a little and instead of giving you recipes for the next few podcasts I'm going to talk about dinner parties and supper parties and how to do them and the etiquette if any around them. Uh, questions, answer some questions that you may have if you'd like to contact Gript and email them in because there's a lot of confusion and a lot of uncertainty about supper parties. Most of us were not brought up in, in families that had dinner parties or supper parties. We ate our meals. If we were having guests around, they would come for what was called tea at about six or seven o'clock in the evening. They would usually have salads, sometimes hot food, but more often than not, a nice salad. They would have it with pot of tea and then drinks would be served afterwards. But in the course of the 1980s, I guess, all of that changed and people suddenly started going to each other's homes not to have tea at six o'clock in the evening, but for dinner or for supper. So let's just talk about each one. What is dinner and what's supper? Now, dinner is a very traditional kind of meal. It really means the main meal of the day. It's derived from words that refer to the main meal of the day. And in agricultural parts of the world, men and, and families had their main meal at lunchtime at 12 or 1 or 2 o'clock. And that was so as to keep them going for the afternoon as they worked for, through the afternoon. And then they would have a lighter meal in the evening, usually at about 6 o'clock, which was called supper or in Ireland tea time. I associate tea time with elections because the commentators even still talk about the tea time rush, even though a lot of people don't have tea time anymore. They have dinner in the evenings and they have a lighter lunch in the middle of the day. So really, dinner is the main meal of the day, whatever time it's had. And supper is usually a lighter meal that's held, that's eaten later in the day. More often than not, the two are used synonymously. Let's start, though, what, with what a dinner party is. I and some people distinguish between a dinner party and a supper party, and I'll discuss that in a few moments. A dinner party, it's, it's going to be a, quite a big meal, usually three to four courses. You will sit down at the table and it's generally more formal in that knives and forks are laid out nicely on the table. People sit around, you start at the same time, you finish more or less at the same time and you make your way through the courses of the meal. Um, a supper party, on the other hand, is much more informal. People certainly can sit around a, a table and have it, but they can be quite big. And if, if, if one has, uh, say, 10 or 15 people around, you can serve it buffet style and people can then have, have their meal off their knee as they sit and chat to other people. And of course, you won't be setting tables in the formal sense. You'd usually put the knives and forks in a bundle um, somewhere in the corner of the table or stacked in, in a jar and people would remove whatever cutlery they were wanting to use. 
So dinner is, uh, it's a much more formal affair with a larger meal and many more courses than supper. Why are people reluctant to have dinner parties? Now, I've mentioned them several times in my cooker, in my recipes, in my earlier podcasts. You know, I've talked about recipes being good for dinner parties. And usually for a dinner party, you want to serve nice food. You want to serve food that's not everyday food. So you would never have a dinner party of scrambled eggs, for example, or omelettes. You know, it would be much, something much more luscious and and grand than that. So it might be a roast or something else. It doesn't have to be a terribly expensive affair, but cost does enter into it. People associate dinners with something costly, particularly if you go out for dinner in a restaurant. It will set you back a bit. And so when people are wanting to prepare one at home, they think, well, I have to get expensive cuts of meat or expensive fish. And it's going to be a lot of money, not to mention the wine, because at a dinner party, people would usually have wine. So the cost is one thing. There's also the desire for perfection that's in us all. We want to do a good job of cooking. We want to make the food look nice and appetizing. And of course, if you're not used to cooking, you'll wonder and you'll worry, how am I going to make it look edible? I'm not a cook. I don't have any experience. And yet you want to make your dish looking like something from the Good Housekeeping magazine, but you know you're not going to be able to. Well, there's a simple trick to that. And we'll, we'll discuss that in another podcast when I talk about garnishing food so that simple food like spaghetti bolognese look at, looks actually more appetizing. It's not just mince. It's, it's going to look nicer than just brown brown meat sitting in a plate. So we will discuss that later on. But striving for perfection and wanting to have it to a very high standard shouldn't deter you because you can have your food looking nice without going to too much trouble if you know the tricks. Another question that people ask is, what on earth am I going to cook? I've never had a dinner party before. I don't know what to cook. It might be a flop. Now, That was my worry as well when I started cooking. And I had never cooked a a dinner for anybody. I wasn't a good cook. I didn't like cooking, but I was sharing a house with a a, a colleague who is a, a doctor. We were both young doctors in Nottingham. She's still a friend and she was a very good cook. And I saw her having people round for dinner and I thought, I wish I could do that. So I decided I was going to do it. But what I did first of all was I started talking to nurses and colleagues at work about cooking and about recipes that were simple. And I started trying them. And I remember the first recipe I ever did. It was the first recipe I did for you. And you can cook too. And it was called Patricia's lamb. It's the lamb where you take it and you put it into boiling water for a few minutes and then you mix it with soy sauce and tomato sauce. So if you go back to that, that was the first ever recipe I used for a dinner party because it never went wrong. So if you get the right recipe and you practice it, 
you will be certain that it will work. You'll, of course, be nervous about servings. What will I put it into? Will I serve it in a casserole dish on the table or will I put it onto the plates? How will I keep it hot? What will I serve it with? What if the person doesn't like the food? But again, you can, you can get over all of these doubts and, and questions once you've done your first dinner party, once you've crossed the Rubicon um, that is the dinner party, and I hope I haven't mixed my metaphors, you will have no difficulty thereafter doing a dinner party. So don't be put off if you've never done one before, because you just need to get one good recipe. And I have given you one already, and it's served with rice, and Bob's your uncle. The next thing that people are uncertain of, who will I have for a dinner party? Who goes to dinner parties these days? Young people generally don't. They congregate informally. Although I think increasingly, at least judging by what my son tells me, they do gather for dinner together um, in a semi-formal kind of way, much more so than they would have done when he was an undergraduate. So I, I think you can just, once you, once you say to people, come around and have dinner with me, um, I think people will gladly do it because after all, you're giving them free food and it will be nicely cooked. So your guests should really, don't worry about, you know, will, will they come? You know, young people don't go to dinner parties. They do. They're getting the food for nothing. And as I say, it will be quality food and it's going to look nice and taste nice. And I don't think any student can t will turn their nose up at that. If you're a bit older and it's neighbours or friends or family you're having for dinner, they will not be slow at coming when they know that they'll be getting some hot food, home cooked with wine. Do please mention the wine because that is a, a, a treat for people. And also um, it will save people having to cook for themselves. So you can invite anybody you want for the meal, but we need to talk about numbers. I'm not going to do that today or how to mix, what, how to get the right mix of guests. We leave that for another day. But by the time you've listened to a few of these, I hope I'll have given you the confidence to invite people that you like and that you want to share your home with and your food with. And that's one of the reasons why you should have a dinner party. It's an opportunity to open up your house. To uh, it's, 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 It shows a generosity of spirit. It shows an openness. And wanting to share nice things with people is something that others others value. You know, when you give presents, people like that. If you, if you even cook something for somebody, a cake, and give it to them, they like that. So sharing is a good, pleasant, and uh, worthwhile thing to do with people you like. It will also create an opportunity to have a good time. People can laugh and joke. They can gossip above all else in a secure environment, one hopes, depending on the guests that you have. And, and, and so you can have a very good evening. Um, it will be a reprieve from cooking for some people, particularly people who don't like it or who believe they're not good at it. Come to somebody else's house and have food put on the table for them. 
it's also an opportunity for people to get a little bit dressed up. You know, people generally don't go out, particularly if they're adults, go dressed in, in jeans and casual wear. They'll get dressed up a little bit for the occasion. So it's an opportunity to do to do that. And it may be something new for your guests if they haven't often gone out to dinner or to dinner parties to come along and join strangers or semi-strangers over food may be something that they will like. It will also, of course, be a challenge for you on the first or second instance to do the cooking, to keep the food hot, to get it served and to get the right combination of guests. But it's a challenge that you can rise to. I don't know if any of you watched the series Come Dine With Me. It was a series on one of the English channels and it was really funny. It was where people, strangers, got together, they cooked a menu and they were judged by the guests on the menu and on the quality of the menu. And then they went round the house and would peek into rooms. They were allowed to look into the into the host's rooms and sometimes to open their drawers. Now, that may have put people off dinner parties. It didn't put me off because I knew that this was just really a fun escapade, as it were, and that most dinner parties are not like that. People don't come in to criticise the food. They don't go sneaking in into your bedrooms and start opening your drawers to, to see what jumpers you've got in them, or they don't start, you know, spraying themselves with your perfume. So don't be put off by programmes like Come Dine With Me, fun and all, though they are. But do please take your courage in your hand Think of the recipes, go back to the first recipe I did and maybe now start planning your first dinner party for three or four weeks. And by then, I'll have taken you through some of the do's and don'ts about dinner parties. Thank you for joining me today on this, the first episode of You Can Cook Two, The Tricks of the Trade.